Hello, my name's Gwen, and I'm going to do a second Bible reading today. It's from the New Testament, chapter 13 of John, from verse 31, and we'll continue through on to chapter 14, verse 14. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the cock crows you will disown me three times. Jesus comforts his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is taken from God's word. Hello, my name's John. I'm one of the ministers of our church and we will be spending some time now reflecting on that wonderful part of scripture, some words of comfort that we may all need now. But let's join our hearts now and, and pray to our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as many of us who will be coming to you now with troubled hearts, we pray that your word which speaks your truth will bring comfort to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, a question I often like to ask, and a, a question we can all ask each other out of love and care and concern is, how is your heart going? And so today, how is your heart going? In a very recent study conducted by McCrindle on the sentiment of Australians across the adult population, they found that the top five emotions Australians are experiencing now because of this, this current crisis were 1. Anxiety 2. Frustration 3. Vulnerability 4. Scared and 5. A bit over a quarter were feeling hopeful. But what it meant was that a large percentage of Australians are feeling anxious and uncertain about the future. And of course that all makes sense. Not only just the sense of loss of not being able to meet with our parents or grandparents or family and friends physically, and not just the ongoing health concerns, and not just the economic fallout, and not just the huge debt someone has to pay one day and not just the changing diplomacy around the world. The world will be changed forever after this. And of course, on top of all of those uncertainties, for some of us, what is happening in here can feel out of balance, out of place, out of whack at the moment, trying to homeschool kids while working, while trying to minister and loving, caring from a distance, and at the same time trying to stay healthy mentally and physically, it can all feel a bit out of balance. And for some, it will be a troubled, unsettled and burdensome heart. And for some, even in our church family, it will be sorrow and grief and bereavement. And so how is your heart going today? And where do you go so that our hearts can be comforted, reassured, given a sense of relief and peace and stability? Well, in the passage we are looking at today, we get to listen in on how Jesus comforted his disciples. And what he said back then remains true for us today. So let's have a look. Grab your Bibles. Now in context... Jesus has been hinting to his disciples over and over again that he'll be leaving them and it will be the time of glory that is coming, which means it will be the time of him dying. He'll be like the kernel of wheat that falls to the ground. And in the washing of his disciples' feet last week, that was looking forward to how he will cleanse them on the cross. And now in chapter 13, verse 33, we read, My children... I'll be with you only a little longer. Where I am going, you cannot come. And then verse 36, speaking to Peter, Where I am going, you cannot follow now. Now try to picture the situation from the perspective of the disciples. Jesus is your Lord, your, your friend, your companion, and he's speaking about leaving and dying. No doubt your heart will be troubled by that. What, what does he mean? I remember late last year standing by the deathbed of a man and hearing him say to me, I don't want to live anymore. I just want it all to end. I mean, how would you feel when you hear something like that? I mean, no one wants to hear anything like that. And so perhaps here the disciples, they were feeling something like that. They don't want to hear Jesus talk about leaving and dying. But then what did Jesus say? Now, I found what 
Jesus says now to be so confronting. The exact words you need to hear when your heart is troubled. Words that are confronting because they are so comforting. Look at what he says. Look at verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And these words, if they were coming from anyone else, would just be empty words. Because how can you not be troubled? Your friend, he's talking about leaving and then dying. But Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. But how? Well, now Jesus goes on to say what was so audacious. I mean, how could anyone make such claim, even when death was on the horizon? But Jesus said it. Look at verse 1 again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. How? Trust in God. Trust also in me. That is, you can stay calm. You don't need to be troubled if you trust in me. That is, if you take me at my word, if you stake your life on what I say, if you lean your life upon me, if you hear and believe my promises, and what are they? Well, he goes on to tell us. Firstly, we see here, we can take comfort because of the promised home. Now, what Jesus was promising is what we all naturally long for. A home we, we long for, we yearn for, we crave for. A home we won't get sick and tired of. A home we'll never want to leave. A home where we'll find completeness, fulfillment, satisfaction. You see, even during this current crisis when most of us are stuck at home, it's nice to be at home. We're in our own space. I heard some even enjoying more time to read and spend time with God in devotion. But when you're home 24-7, seven days a week, I've, I've never been so excited about going to Coles or Costco ever in my life. You see, it's nice to be home, but I suspect that most of us, we don't want to be stuck at home forever. This home we're living in, it doesn't really complete, fulfill or satisfy like I deeply yearn for. But Jesus was here reassuring his disciples there is a promised eternal home. One you'll never want to leave. One where there will be perfect joy and peace and harmony and all that your heart longs for. We see in verse 2. Have a look. In my Father's house are many rooms, which means it is big enough. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Now, this does not mean that Jesus was going to heaven ahead of his disciples just to set up their room and make the bed for them. No. But what it is, is it is in his going that the preparation is made. That is, in his dying on that grotesque Roman cross and then rising and ascending back to his Father in heaven that the preparation is made. So that the Father's house will be opened as the eternal home for those who trust in him. And that is the home we long for. It was C.S. Lewis, the famous Oxford professor, who puts it so well. All the joys we experience and enjoy on earth are pointing to something greater. And our deep longings, they're not fantasy, they're pointing to our true home. And so C.S. Lewis, he said, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy... The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. 
And then he goes on. Earthly joys are the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. And you see that scent, that tune, that country that is pulling at our heartstrings is the Father's house that Jesus speaks of. It's no wonder why this is one of the favourite passages for funerals. 40% of my funerals conducted last year was based on this passage. And so if Jesus was preparing a place for them, he will no doubt return to bring them there. Look at verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So why is it that those who trust in the promises of Jesus do not need to be troubled? Because we know, even in death, it is going home. By the deathbed of those I've ministered to, it's often very very hard to find the right words to speak. And it's always best to just speak God's word. And so last year to this men, reflecting on this passage, John 14, I said, do you know what this means? What this means is that there will be a great reunion one day. And I still remember seeing the smile on his face. So Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And secondly, what we see here, we can take comfort because we know the way, the only way. But the disciples here, they're still a bit fuzzy in their minds. And so Thomas, he asked Jesus, look at verse 5. He asked, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, how did Jesus answer? Because if we understand how Jesus answered, it would either deeply offend us or bring us great relief and comfort. So how did Jesus answer? Well, notice he didn't say, I am one of the ways, or I am perhaps the way, or I am maybe the way. Or I'm one of the many other ways and many truths and paths to God. No, he didn't say that. And that's why it can be so offensive and sound so offensive. You see, Jesus was making an exclusive claim. You want heaven? Well, there is no other way. No other religion, no other path, no other way opened and no other opinions that matter. You see, why it sounds so offensive? Because it's so exclusive. Now, it would be offensive if it was not true. But it is. And if it is, then it means that it is the most loving thing you can say to people who would otherwise miss out. It's a bit like if we were to, or if someone were to find a vaccine for this coronavirus... And the doctor, he comes out and he says, this is the only vaccine that will work. This is the one you are to use. It is an exclusive claim. But it is loving because it works. As opposed to one who will come up and say, well, you can just use Panadol or Nurofen or find some other way, whatever you like. I mean, that's very inclusive, but completely unloving. And what's the way to heaven? So what is it? To the Father's house? Well, Jesus tells us. Verse 6. I am the way. No other ways. And the truth. 
the truth about God, about reality, about the world, and the life that is the source of all life, the one who gives life and grants resurrection life. No one, there is no one in the entire universe, no one comes to the Father except through me. The only way. And the way we're meant to understand the way is that it doesn't refer to a path, but a person. It's not following the path that Jesus paid for us, but, but it is going to Jesus, the way to God. Thomas A. Kempis, a, a clergy in the 15th century, he puts it so well here, he said, Follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which you must follow, the truth which you must believe, the life for which you must hope. I am the imperishable way, the infallible truth, the eternal life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, the true life, blessed and uncreated. And so how can you find comfort when our hearts are troubled? Well, we can find it here. Because we know there is a promised home. And we now know the way. It is by Jesus. And finally, well, we can take comfort because to know Jesus is to know God the Father. It is to know the most important, powerful, loving person in the entire universe. It is to know the one who gave us life. And to just think that your mind and my mind and your heart and my heart can personally know God the Father. It is extraordinary. Because what does it do to us when we come to know God? It always lifts our eyes above the horizon, above the pandemic, above the current crisis, above our troubled hearts to see God. And how do we come to know God the Father? By knowing Jesus the Son. Not imagining God or, or visualizing God or just hoping we'll discover God, but we know God in the man Jesus Christ, the one who came from heaven to earth, the one who grew and ate and worked and taught and later died and came back to life. We know God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus here, he rebuked Philip. He should have realized, look at verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And we're given here an insight into the complexity of our God. There's God the Father, and then God the Son, and next week we'll look at God the Spirit. Three persons, but one God. And then verse 10. Have a look. Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And so to listen to Jesus is to listen to God. To see Jesus is to see God. To know Jesus is to know God. And to trust in Jesus is to trust God. And that's why Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. How? Trust in God, trust also in me. 
And I suspect that for those of us who already know Jesus, it is such sweet comfort. Because it is not just us knowing him, but it is knowing that he knows us, that my Father in heaven knows me, my name, my heart, and loves me. It was uh, J.O. Packer in his wonderful book, one of my favorite authors. He said, There is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with the full assurance that they have known God and God has known them and that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life, through death and forever. And so we know God. We can know God by knowing Jesus. Sweet, sweet comfort. And so that's our wonderful passage, a passage of wonderful comfort. And so let me ask you again that same question from the beginning. How is your heart going today? Well, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. There, is, there are so many times in life where we'll find our hearts burdened and unsettled and troubled. And when things eventually go back to some normality, and the crisis is over. You see, the underlying issue, we need to remember, the underlying issue of our world will remain because it is still a world that is ravaged by brokenness, hatred, betrayal, lies, conflict, corruption, disease, cancer, death. You see, those things we hate will still continue. The world will still be troubled, and so will our hearts. And that's why we need to hear what Jesus said. What Jesus spoke back then remains true for us today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. There is comfort in a world of trouble. There is certainty in a future that looks so uncertain. There is assurance when so many are now feeling so anxious. But you see, comfort, certainty, assurance all comes down to do you believe, do you trust in the promises of Jesus or don't you? Jesus said, trust in God, trust also in me. You see, to trust means to, to trust that all his promises are yours. You're taking hold of it all by faith. And I take great comfort in that. Because you see, by trusting in Jesus, it means that I'm always safe in life or death because I'm always in my Saviour's hands. But to not trust means th there is no eternal home. Any hope for it, apart from Jesus, is just wishful thinking. You see, Jesus did not permit, nor did he open any other way to God the Father or to our eternal home. And so let me ask you, do you trust him? If you do not yet trust him, what do you have to lose? Because you've got everything to lose if you don't. You lose on comfort now, the promised home, and God as Father. And so for those of you who are still exploring and you do not yet know where you stand before God, well, let me urge you, perhaps in this time of isolation, perhaps while trouble and mortality and uncertainty is on your mind, turn to Jesus, read the Bible, pray to God, and we are here to help you. So do get in touch with us. And so let me ask you again. 
how is your heart going today? This very week, uh, reflecting on this passage, it reminded me once again how wonderful the comfort is for Christians. It is just so good and reassuring. If heaven is my home and Jesus is my way, the truth and the life, and God is my Father, then there's a sense that I've got nothing to lose. My heart will always be placed off balance in a world that is troubled, but my heart can always be comforted once again when I remember this. Last Sunday evening, many of you would know by now, one of our elders, Stephen Moody, he lost his father. Now, let me ask you, what comfort is there even in the face of death, in the face of bereavement and sorrow? Is comfort not in what Jesus promised in this passage? That Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place in heaven for those who believe in him. And when Stephen told me, I texted back and he texted me back and he sent a text that was just, was just so wonderful. I asked him for his permission to use it. I was in fact quite moved by what he shared and I shared it with Yvonne and our kids because it is so wonderfully true. Stephen said of his father and of them, We are very sad to lose him. Although only for a while, he has been struggling with frailty and looking forward to heaven for a good while. So for him, it is a time of great joy. As he meets the Lord, he has loved and served faithfully since he was 19 years old. I mean, how many of us were like that said about us one day? And after reading about what Stephen wrote about his father, he served the Lord faithfully. He was an evangelist in the Northern Territory. He helped with the first flying dentist. He set up uh, the dental department at the Valor Hospital in India. He started up Christian Union groups around India. He was a man who knew the way, the truth and the life. And so do you see how much comfort there is, not only for those who die in faith, but for the family they leave behind. That the last breath on earth and the very next breath is the first breath in heaven. And that is the promise for all who trust in Jesus. And so once again, let me ask you, how is your heart going today? Do you know the sweet, sweet comfort of our Saviour? Or will you remain anxious and uncertain now and of your future? Let's pray.